everyone. Thanks for joining. Today I'm speaking with Chris Elston. Uh, you can find Chris on Twitter at Billboard Chris. And I got to know him because I was following him on Twitter and I saw a couple of his interviews. And he's, I don't want to say a one-man crusade against stopping uh, puberty blockers and hormone therapy in kids, but uh, he's, I don't know, I, I like what he's doing. Anyways, hey, Chris, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Obeid. I appreciate you having me on. Um, so like I mentioned, you, you, you go by billboard, Chris on Twitter. Now, is that because you started the billboard for JK Rowling or how did that come about? Yeah, I put up a billboard that said, I heard JK Rowling in September of last year. Uh, the impetus for that was a woman in Scotland named Posey Parker who put up a poster at the Edinburgh train station that said, I heard JK Rowling and it got taken down because a few people on Twitter complained. There, wasn't an, there weren't any official complaints made to the company, but you know, it was too hot to handle, so they took it down, and I got tired of all the censorship, so I put one up here, and it got taken down the next day after getting splattered with paint overnight, and then a Vancouver city councillor named Sarah Kirby Young said it was hate speech. It's a big billboard with a heart on it. Yeah, okay, but... <laughs> I mean, this gets to some of the stuff that, you know, you speak out about and like some of the things I've been speaking out about and it's, you know, she made a fairly mild statement. I mean, one was a tweet and then one she wrote, I don't know if it was a blog post or she had it in a, you know, yeah, a she had an essay on her website. Yeah. Yeah. And it was mild. There was nothing hateful or hurtful in it. And she was basically you know, telling people to treat people respectfully, but have a place for women, which I think is a good thing. And, you know, all of a sudden JK Rowling is someone to be hated. I mean, I, I remember, and I can kind of understand the religious right. Oh, she's teaching kids sorcery and then all that's all other garbage, but like coming from the quote unquote, you know, progressive liberals, it just seemed really out of, like out of whack. Yeah, I can pull up the tweet in a second here, but it basically just said, you know, live your life in peace and security, sleep with whoever you please, dress however you like, but cancel women, fire women for stating that sex is real. Uh, and she had the hashtag, I stand with Maya, yeah. for Maya Forstater, who in the UK um, was basically fired because she spoke out in favor of the controversial subject of the existence of biological sex, which is a hot topic today. Yeah. Somehow it's all nuts, but uh, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, one other thing that you're doing, and you're you post, you know, videos and you post yourself um, <clears throat> on Twitter with it. I mean, you wear like a basically like a sandwich board that says, "Yeah, children can't consent to puberty blockers." Now, I think you and I are in the same camp here. If someone's an adult and they want to transition, they want to take hormones, they want to do whatever, like fill your boots, mm -hmm. but don't mess with kids. So how is that being received, especially in a place like Vancouver? I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to decide if it's Toronto or Vancouver. That's the woke capital of Canada, but you're pretty I, much in. <laughs> I think it's Victoria, actually. Okay. Victoria wins hands down, but it's a little bit smaller of a city. I'd say Vancouver is more woke than Toronto, certainly. The whole West Coast, yeah. all the way down to California, has its woke kudos going for it. But still, in Vancouver, the reception, I would say 9 out of 10 people are fully supportive of what I'm doing. They're just quiet. The loud, aggressive, hostile, crazy people make a lot of noise. They're the minority by far but they make an all, a lot of noise. They scare a lot of people and they're part of the side that the government listens to, the school boards listen to, the media listen to. So they're all pushing that agenda, but they're all the minority. Um, in Toronto, it's actually pretty quiet when I'm out on the streets there. Of course, you know, with the younger generation, 25 and under, they've been indoctrinated to believe this stuff, especially with the female crowd. And so, yeah, there's always hate in any city you go to, but um, Victoria's special. <laughs> I get abuse nonstop over there. It's 
it's crazy. And not just from the younger people too, some of the older people, because it's a really, it's a really, you know, it's more left wing over there. And I'm not saying that this ideology is left wing because it's not this uh, ideology is one thing that unites the left and the right and the center because any parent out there, no matter their political persuasion, they understand that biological sex is real and that their little girls aren't boys and their little boys aren't girls and that these kids get messed up in the head when some woke teacher comes along and tries to tell them that boys and girls aren't really a thing, right? But over on the island, um, you know, they elect all left-wing politicians and some of the far-left politicians like in the Green Party who can never go far enough with this ideology and uh, the university there, it's a university town. So they have the world's only chair in transgender studies, which was funded by a billionaire autogynophile or a trans woman, so biological male. This person's name is Jennifer Pritzker. And he, she funded the University of Victoria with a few million dollars. So they do a lot of outreach into the community along with an organization called Island Sexual Health, which does a thousand workshops per year, going into school, teaching these kids that being a boy or a girl is just a choice. This sounds totally crazy, but it's what they're teaching. And they won't even use words like woman, mother, father, brother, sister, because these are all terribly gendered terms, which could trigger people, right? So you'd mentioned that about schools. Now I'd be looking at some of this and <clears throat> I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't have kids in school because I know they're pushing it in Quebec as well. Like a lot of the gender stuff, they're not doing so much of the race stuff, but they're doing a lot of the gender stuff here. And, but you know, if I go on the website, like the Quebec ministry of education, or if I go on you know the BC ministry of education, I look on their websites and even if you go to like the, I think the one is like the SOGI one, two, three or whatever. If you go on their website, some of it just sounds very innocuous. Yeah. And some of it sounds like, you know, sex ed that I got when I was in, you know, grade six, grade seven, that type of thing. And maybe they're starting a little younger now and you know, whatever parents can argue about that. But is it a question of parents not having enough time right now? Like I, like, let's just take COVID out of the equation for a second, because that was a weird situation where kids were at home and parents were also at home. But in general, with all the safetyism going on with kids, so you can't let your kid go to the park across the street by themselves. Otherwise, you know, child protective services, gets called and that kind of stuff. Are parents so busy with all this other stuff that they don't actually have time to look at what's being taught in their kids' schools? So if they read a a bland curriculum or a syllabus that says, Oh, we'll be talking about homophobia and transphobia. And we'll be talking about inclusion. Do they think, Oh, this is nice stuff. It's good stuff. Go ahead. Or like, like where's that coming from? Well, first of all, stuff is hidden from parents, mm -hmm. but when you go to a website like Soji one, two, three, which is, which is a, uh, a source of materials that teachers can use, they have sample lesson plans that teachers can use when teaching their kids. You go to that website, some of it is innocuous, some of it is not so innocuous. There's a lesson plan for kindergartners where they practice their pronouns, you know, practicing pronouns other than he or she, or for what is ever related to their sex, you know. They'll get a little card saying, and their, their goal of this drill in this classroom lesson is to go around the class with this little card, and on this card it'll say, hi, my name's Kim, please call me she or please call me they. And so they're already indoctrinating four and five-year-olds to reject the very existence of the sex binary. And they're putting notions in these kids' heads that you can just choose what sex you want to be. But the lesson plans that you see there when you go to these websites, that's only part of what any teacher can teach. They can teach any materials they like that forward this agenda. So all these teachers have autonomy. They're all protected by the union, of course, but they all have autonomy to teach as they see fit. So a lot of teachers won't teach this stuff. A lot of them will teach it. A lot of them will find their own resources on the internet and teach it. If a teacher is gonna be doing a lesson plan on dinosaurs, you know, there's no approved place to go to for dinosaurs. Most teachers will just go online and find stuff on dinosaurs and they'll put their unit together 
and they'll keep teaching it over the years and maybe add to it. But with this gender stuff, there's thousands of resources online that any teacher can go to and use. So for example, just this week, two boys at a Victoria school called Margaret Jenkins Elementary, two little seven-year-old boys came home all confused because the teacher had taught that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. These kids are seven. The teacher also showed a video that I tweeted out about snow people, how, and like you said, it, it seems innocuous at first. This is a little song. It's a video about a snowman and a snowwoman and how stereotypes don't need to define them. And then at the end of this song, it says that boys and girls are not words we wear, meaning we are not boys and girls. <clears throat> we are just whatever we want to be. And so you'll never find this on any approved lesson plan place, but it's getting taught in the schools. In Coquitlam, which is a major suburb of Vancouver, a couple months ago, the school paid this man, trans woman, I'm just going to call him a biological male. How about that? Yeah. Alex Gino. And I just want to say, I have zero issues if someone wants to do this stuff as an adult. Okay. But when they start coming to groom our kids, I take issue with it. And I might not be as respectful of their pronouns because they're grooming our kids and they're harming our kids. Anyway, there's this person named Alex Gino who wrote an award-winning book called George. And then he wrote a book called Rick. And in one of these books, it's a story of a little boy who wants to be a girl. And one day this poor little boy finds a little friend, a girl, and she lends him a pair of her panties. And he goes into the stall and he pulls on these panties and they're so light and airy and they feel like nothing at all. And he looks down and he sees the little hearts on these panties. And for the first time, he feels like who he's supposed to be. And it's gross. This is an adult male with a condition known as autogynephilia, where men get aroused by the nature of themselves being a woman, who wrote a book basically about his own fetish and made it into a children's book. And they paid this person $650 to read it to the entire school. So this stuff's happening all over the place. Parents won't know, will be affected by it. And over the course of education now, from kindergarten to grade 12, especially in BC, where there's stuff starts in kindergarten, there's going to be hundreds of little indoctrination points. And for kids that are vulnerable, kids with trauma, stress, anxiety, depression, a lot of, a lot of the kids with autism end up in these gender clinics. Some of these kids at some point, especially when they get into adolescence, especially when they get into high school where this stuff is crazy now and everyone's testing out some identity. Some of these kids, mostly girls, are going to take up this option to try to switch their sex. And they're going to end up in these gender clinics at the children's hospitals where they're prescribed a drug called Lupron, which stops puberty dead in its tracks. And then they go on to the next step always, puts them in a menopause. They have to get hysterectomies often after several years on this, and they have to stay on it for life. And these drugs and these hormone treatments have never had a single clinical trial done for the purpose they're being used. There are all sorts of long-term impacts, many of which we don't even know. And so when we don't even know the information, and when you look at the consent form that these children sign, on the consent form, it states they have no long-term information. If we don't have the information, how can a child give informed consent. It's obviously impossible. And so that's why I wear my sign that says children cannot consent to these puberty blockers. That's why the high court in England in December ruled that children cannot give informed consent to these puberty blockers. That's why the main hospital in Sweden dishing these drugs out just pulled it last month. They stopped doing it completely. Only 16 to 18 year olds will be allowed to get puberty blockers, but only if they meet stringent criteria to qualify to enter into a clinical trial, which is very monitored and obviously much safer than how they hand these things out like candy. I still don't agree they should be doing it at all with these kids, even in a clinical trial. 
but at least that's a whole lot better. So we're seeing some improvement in some jurisdictions, but here in Canada, we're seeing zero improvement. We're going deeper and deeper into this oh. death spiral. I mean, like a couple of years ago, I remember in Ontario, I think it was the first province, I could be wrong about that, they passed that law where if the parent or parents are not affirming the gender choice of the child, the child can be taken away. Now, the most egregious case I heard of that was a young autistic kid. And I think like this is going from memory because I read the story about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And he was a new kid in school. He was going into the washroom and he was like, in, he was around six years old. So kindergarten, first grade, I'm not sure that, you know, he walked into the wrong washroom. So the kid's autistic. He's in a, he's in a new school, walked in the wrong washroom. A school official, I don't know if it was a teacher or administrator or your counselor or someone like that, said, oh, do your parents know that you're a girl? And he said, well, why would I say that? Because that would make them mad. You got to figure the kid's autistic. Three days he was taken away from his parents by Child Protective Services before they caught him back. Now, everyone's like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. They got the kid back. It's like, well. Not a big deal. You know, that might have been a big deal for a that's six-year-old. A huge, that's a huge trauma that lived in that child's brain. Yeah. And. There, and I spoke to a, a civil rights attorney in, from Canada. She works with the JCCF, yeah. so the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. Yeah. And they're representing parents in Ontario again because their little kindergarten daughter, the teacher showed up a spectrum, put it like, you know, put up a little thing on the wall and said, Where are you on the spectrum? On one side is boy, one side is girl. And she put it all the way in the girl. Mm-hmm. And she was told straight out that there's no such thing and that she's lying and, you know, the kid got freaked out because she's six years old or whatever. She's in kindergarten. She's five or six years old. She doesn't know mm-hmm. what's going on. And the parents are not suing the school. Like, what are you teaching our kids? Now, I, like one of the things you mentioned in there. So, you know, that, that story, about the guy, who uh, the little boy put on the panties and realized that's what he was. When in kindergarten, they're saying boy and girl is not something you wear, but yet if a boy wants to put on a dress, which a lot of little boys did when they were you know, young. They, oh, I want to try on a dress or whatever. Like, if they have sisters, I'm sure they all wore dresses around sometimes. And, and right away, it's like, oh, you're a girl now. I mean, I grew up, like, wherever I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s, and even back then, it was starting to say, well, you know, boys don't have to play with trucks. They can play with dolls. Girls can play with trucks. You know, like, we had, we were getting away from, like, that, this is a boy toy. This is a girl toy. This is, you know, like if a little girl wants mm-hmm. to play with it, like, so where, like, what about something like that? Where, like, I saw something on Twitter the other day and it was, the kid wasn't trans or anything like that. He was, it was a, he was a boy. He was still, you know, his parents called him a boy, but he liked to wear like ball, ballerina outfits and he liked mm-hmm. to dance around. The kid was, you know, like, again, very young, maybe six or seven years old. Now, the parents are letting the kid do what he wants. They're still calling him a boy. They're still treating him as a boy, but that's the way he's going to be a boy. Like, when did that start changing? Like, I mean, that's to me, that seems like a much better way to go about it. It's been changing a lot in the past. Well, especially the last five or six years, mm-hmm. but so gender dysphoria, yeah. which is the feeling where, you know, there's an incongruency between your biological sex and the gender stereotypes that are associated yeah. with your sex, basically. This whole thing is about stereotypes. Gender dysphoria used to be called gender identity disorder in the DSM-4. In 2013, when the DSM-5 came out, that's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders. Uh, they changed the name of it to gender dysphoria. They took out the word disorder because they don't see it as a disorder. They see the depression and the anxiety and all that associated with it as being the thing that needs to be treated. And that's fine. But then fast forward a few years and, you know, largely people with gender identity disorder have been lobbying government, some very rich males with this disorder have been splashing money all over the place and they've managed to get, but just, eight years ago was classified as a disorder. They've managed to switch it to just becoming your gender identity, which is now defined as your true inner 
itself obeyed. So there's nothing wrong with you anymore. Um, now it's not something to be addressed. It is just what you actually are. And so we're teaching children that their true self is their gender identity. And this is why it's really important that people get up to speed on what's going on because none of us adults, none of us experienced any of this. Nobody with children experienced any of this when they went to school. So they have no idea it's in the school because SOGI 123, for example, in BC, was given approval to become, uh, you know, the main part of our now sex education in an afternoon in the BC legislature. It snuck through first, second, and third reading with all the politicians in a single afternoon. There was no parent consultation. And then boom, they sent several hundred thousand dollars to this organization called the ARC Foundation. And then other corporations like RBC and TD each threw in a couple hundred grand and, you know, they got other donors from elsewhere and they formed these new lesson plans, which teach gender identity. And it's seen as being all about diversity, inclusion and acceptance. But those are all lovely, beautiful terms. But like anything that's truly evil in society, it never comes with devil horns packaged on the outside. It comes wrapped in a pretty package wearing a nice pink little bow and it looks great on the surface. And it's only once you start digging underneath that surface that you find all the problems associated with this. Like Bill C-16, which passed a few years ago. This is the law that made it prohibited conduct to discriminate against someone based on their gender identity. Sounds great. In reality, what does that mean? That means any man can just say he's now a woman. And you can't discriminate, which means any man can now go into women's prisons, including sex offenders and murderers. And guess what, Obeyed? That's exactly what is happening. It means any man any pedo, any mentally ill individual can go and walk into a women's rape shelter. It means that Vancouver Rape Relief, the oldest rape shelter in Canada, and the only one in Vancouver that doesn't allow natal biological males into their premises, because guess what? They're a rape shelter for women. It means, this law means that we can't stop that. And so what happened was the city of Vancouver pulled funding away from a rape shelter led by none other than the heroic trans woman, Morgane Auger, who campaigned and succeeded in getting funding taken away from a rape shelter. Good job, Morgane, you're a hero. Anyway, all of this is nuts, but it's presented as loving on the surface, but there's no thought for the consequences. And we have this, giant problem today. And whereas other jurisdictions kind of also screwed up, at least some of these jurisdictions are trying to fix things. But here in Canada, I really, really think we're the worst country in the world for this. Oh, because yeah. you can't talk about it. Media won't report on anything. All our media are completely taken in by this. The government's pushing it. All the schools are pushing it. And it's spreading amongst all these schools. So one of the big reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing, it's not to change the government's policies. They're not going to listen. Mm -hmm. The school boards aren't going to listen. Um, media aren't going to report the truth. This is about going directly to parents to arm them with the truth. They'll go home. They'll go learn more. They can then arm their kids with the truth. So that when the lies come for these kids, these lies should have a better chance of just bouncing off these children and these children won't get so affected but it's also about being proactive and getting more people involved in making noise so that jurisdictions like in other provinces, because BC is already kind of gone, but some of those jurisdictions will maybe give pause to introducing gender identity lesson plans to kids as young as four. They probably won't, but 
we have to try because apathy is not an option. And at the very least, we'll make Canadians aware and they can take this into their own hands by getting educated and protecting their own kids. Yeah, I mean, this is like what happened in Texas recently. Um, and this was more on the race stuff. It was a critical race theory, but because that's coming in through the schools and the states more so than the gender stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the parents showed up and they voted out the, the old school board, voted in new members, and they, you know, they said enough's enough. And I think that's all it really needs. Like you said, most people don't know what's going on. And, you know, I mean, I'll take an example, uh, Ibram Kendi. So, you know, whatever, if you want to talk about woke, he's about as woke as you can get, right? Mm -hmm. um, he was in an interview and he said his daughter came up and said she was a boy and he was a little, you know, uh, horrified. I think his term, he, the word he used was horrified. And it's like, okay, you know, you can, and maybe horror isn't the greatest response, but if I'm a father and my six-year-old comes up and says, you know, daddy, I'm a boy now, or daddy, I'm a girl now. Yeah. That is going to scare me a little bit. Like where are you, mm -hmm. where's this coming from? And it's, it, this is not just the, the thing of a kid pretending like, you know, like I'm going to be a girl or I'm Batman or I'm Pocahontas or whatever. Like, it's not that right. And, but like, I'm looking at this and like, again, I'm looking at some of the numbers and I, you've probably done a lot more research on this than I have, but when you see like a 5,000% increase in teenage girls transitioning, like, doesn't that give any of these governments pause? Like it's not, you know, they say, oh, well, homosexuality increased when we, you know, started teaching about homosexuality in schools and it's the same thing. Kids are but like a 5,000% increase. That's, that doesn't seem normal. Yeah, of course. This is entirely, entirely coincides with the changes in the school teaching. And it also coincides big time. There's two factors. There are two main factors affecting these kids. School, social media. Parents, you have to get your kids off social media. No good comes from it. These children, you might think they're just, you know, chatting with some friends over on the computer in the living room while you're watching Netflix. But they are watching all these videos of extremely charismatic teens who are the best influencers for other teens, telling them how great it is to be transgender, telling them that they feel so much better now that they're on testosterone, which is true because testosterone produces positive emotions. That's what it does. It's a drug and there's a honeymoon phase for some of this stuff. And these kids have been obsessing over this for a while. They get their drugs. They got what they wanted. For a while, they're going to be happy. And just wait until all these medical complications kick in. But they're still confused. All these kids are confused. Obviously, they're confused because it's an obvious impossibility to switch your sex. So um, there's a social contagion going on. We have entire peer groups of girls transitioning. I've talked to a lot of parents. I know for a fact that it's now really popular to come out as transgender. The cool kids, the cool girls are doing it sometimes and they're influencing their peers. And of course, these school counselors tend to be more on the woke side of the spectrum and they're encouraging this as well. Last year in Victoria, on the very first day of school, I talked to a mom, she'd just moved there. And on the very first day of school, her 11-year-old daughter, who was having some struggles, there'd been some family separation, and the girl had a bit of depression going on for sure. And the girl also developed really early. Puberty struck really early, so she was already well-developed at 11 years of age. And this is stressful for girls. So anyway, first day of school, the teacher asked for their preferred names and pronouns. And right then and there, the girl decided to try out being a boy. And then the school counselor, talking to the daughter, talking to this girl, was coaching her on how to get binders without her mom knowing. Binders are these tight compression sleeves that girls will wear across their chest to crush their breasts down. And it, they cause problems too. It's harder to breathe. It can cause damage to the soft tissue. Um, I've read about even problems with 
lungs and ribs getting fractured. And, uh, you know, this stuff is just gruesome. It's just wrong. We are, children are losing their innocence so quickly and being groomed by these predators in this gender identity religion. And we have to stand up and speak out because parents are getting blindsided. So sorry, this was a really super long-winded answer to your original question, which was, are parents just too busy? No, parents just have no idea. But because this stuff is done without them knowing. Okay, but Chris, I wanted to like a couple of these things. Now, again, some of the yeah. stuff I'm seeing, they'll tell parents, well, you know, it's a choice between having, you know, a daughter instead of a you know, yeah. you, would you rather have a live daughter or a dead son, that kind of thing? Like they're they're pushing the suicide stuff. Now, I'm yeah. just kind of curious at, like if there's a couple of things that are more forcing girl, more, like more girls and boys. Like one, I know intersectionality has gone into schools um, as well. Like that's coming in through K through 12 as well. Intersectionality, critical race theory and all that. And they're, they're teaching little girls that girls are always going to be oppressed. Girls are being, you know, held down, blah, 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 misogyny, patriarchy, the whole work. And I, you know, I'm not denying that rights were denied to women in this and that, but, then they see the acceptance and the love that, you know, like today Demi Lovato came out as trans and, you know, like, oh my non-binary, God. Non-binary, yeah. yeah. Or non-binary, yeah. So she's so, so brave. This not, they see the, the adulation that they get. So they, do they mm-hmm. think that, well, if I'm a boy, it's going to be easier for me. And if I do this, I'll get accepted. Is that part of it as well? Like, are they? Well, they're, they're just being so indoctrinated. So some of these girls are going to grow up to be lesbian. Mm-hmm. A lot of these girls have, you know, it's the tomboys that this cult is targeting and it's teaching them that, well, tomboys are actual boys. And there is always, there's always the social contagion factor, particularly among girls um, that we've seen. And girls get involved in cutting, anorexia, bulimia. Uh, this is kind of the latest, the latest one. It's a craze affecting these girls. Abigail Schreier explains it better than anyone in her book that she wrote called Irreversible Damage, the transgender craze seducing our daughters. But there's a hundred percent social media component almost in every case. And the schools are starting kids down this path at a really, really young age. Pamela Buffon in Ottawa as a case with the human rights tribunal because her six-year-old daughter came home all upset from school one day because the teacher had taught that boys and girls don't really exist. Now, again, to address what we started with in this interview, gender identity lessons aren't part of the Ontario curriculum for kindergartners in grade one. But that doesn't mean teachers can't teach it, and they will. Some of them, the woke ones, and that's exactly what's happening all over the place. It's supposed to start in grade eight, the gender identity lessons. But Ontario just uh, presented to the world Gigi the Grooming Unicorn last week, where any kid from kindergarten on up can, you know, start learning about transgender issues and get all confused. So there's always something coming. There's so many activists and so many projects on the go targeting our kids that the only way to protect them is either to pull them out and do homeschool. I mean, that's probably the only way to really, really 100% protect them. But um, it is effective if you complain to your teachers, complain to your principals. If these teachers aren't fully on the woke end of the spectrum, you know, they don't like receiving complaints and they'll teach this stuff less. And these two parents in Victoria, two separate parents, totally coincidental. I heard from them both on the same day from the same school. They each decided to pull their kid out of class for a week. And I think that's a great response. Every time your kid gets taught some gender identity nonsense, pull them out of school. Do your own thing with them for a week. Go have fun with your kids. Go take them on walks. Teach them nature. Do your own biology lessons. And... uh It'll send a message to these schools, I think. But okay, like on the race thing and on, mm-hmm. 
you know, as soon as like it's it's happening now. Now I, I saw this also because um, I used to be fairly vocal about Islam, and I, mean, I still am to some extent. But um, you know, I get called a white supremacist for criticizing Islam. You know, and you know, I I, I don't see, believe you're white. Yeah, exactly. Right? That, that's that's you know that there's a problem there. But you know, but like I see the same thing now, especially since the George Floyd killing, like. Black conservatives, or forget conservatives. John McWhorter is not a conservative. Like black people who speak out against the race issues are told they're white or they're siding with white supremacists. So if a parent brings this up, is there like an attack on the parent saying, "Oh, you're just being right wing"? Because that's what I hear a lot now. Like they're just equating right wing with being evil, and like, "Oh, you're right wing," or "You're far right," or I mean, they'll just say that you're transphobic. Yeah, but because because. Because transphobes exist on the left and right end of the spectrum. This is the one issue that unites the left and right more than anything. But like how, again, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of young kids, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, teenagers. I, I, I don't agree with this being done to teenagers, but at least you could reason with teenagers a little bit. Like, but with a six-year-old, like how are, A, <clears throat> I don't know. You're stifling their imagination because if they want to imagine something, then all of a sudden they're, they're being put in a pigeonhole into a little box. And like, how can, I think as a parent, you have a right to go up to a school and say, why are you teaching my little boy or my little girl that they can be whatever they want? And not whatever you want is like, you want to grow up to be prime minister. You want to grow up to be president. Like, I don't mean like that. Like, you know, you can change from boy to girl. Like, like, it's just what they're teaching, Obed. It's just what they're teaching. Gender identity is the new religion in schools, and it teaches that that's a person's true inner self. And it's all based on stereotypes. So if a boy likes more traditionally feminine things, he'll be taught that he's a girl. By some teachers, not all of them. Okay, but, and this is just what it is. But again, then how do you, how do they square it? Like, it's, it's the illogic that I don't get. Like, they're not trying, no, 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 no. You're, you got to get that out of your head. <laughs> There's no logic. Yeah. They're not, they're not trying to square anything. Okay. You, you're too sensible. <laughs> you can't try to make sense of this because there is no way to make sense of it. It's gender identity ideology. It's a religion and it teaches that stereotypes define you. You can't be a boy that's feminine. If you're feminine, you are a girl. But okay, again, the ideology. But again, and there like, is no sense to it. We were getting away from that. I mean, now, right? We've, if, we've if, gone, we've gone hundred percent backwards to. We use nineteen fifties regressive stereotypes to define yeah. what two thousand twenty one children are. But, but at the same point, like, I mean, again, this is coming from reading people like Andrew Sullivan and Katie Herzog and things like that. The you know, a little boy who's effeminate might grow up to be gay. Mm-hmm. A little girl who's a tomboy, like I said, might grow up to be a lesbian. Yeah, but now you're transing the gay away. Correct. You know, if it's... you go to my website, billboardchris.com, mm-hmm. and you go to the section on puberty blockers, there's some subheadings there. So one of those subheadings is the studies under puberty blockers. And I've listed all the major studies that have been done going back decades. 80 to 90% of children who had genuine gender dysphoria and I make that distinction because what we're seeing today is not gender dysphoria gender dysphoria traditionally by definition starts with kids when they're really young it persists throughout their life they get into adulthood and every study showed the majority of these kids were gay most of these studies were on boys because this traditionally affected boys way more than girls we've seen that completely flip and it's not affecting girls you know until they're taught in school or until they get into adolescence and there's all the social contagion and peer pressure and struggles with puberty which girls have more than boys and social media influences and it's girls that grew up early girls who now they're 13, 14 years old. They say, oh, no, actually, mom, I'm a boy. And I want puberty blockers. 
And these parents have already, these children have been indoctrinated to reject their parents because these schools, like this audio that I leaked about a month ago, a 12-year-old boy in Ontario recorded his teacher giving a lesson about gender identity. The father sent me that audio and I leaked it out and it's totally nuts. And at least six or seven times during this half hour lesson, they're teaching that parents don't really understand because they're not having these conversations like we are here in grade seven. So these kids get indoctrinated to believe they're the other sex and get indoctrinated to reject their parents as soon as they bring it up with their parents and the mom says, what are you talking about? They've got it in their head that mom just doesn't understand. And the person who's really got their back is the school counselor who's pushing this stuff on them. Now, I remember when uh, C-16 first was being proposed and there were people who were saying, okay, this is going to destroy bi biology. You know, this will do... So what about like high school biology departments? I mean, are they doing Again, anything? Again, a lot depends on this. A lot depends on the teacher. So, I mean, for example, I went and I went and protested at UBC one day, and in med school in UBC, they're now teaching these students not to call women women and not to call mothers mothers. They're the birthing parents. But then, while I was there someone who worked in the biology department came running down the street <laughs> out of breath to talk to me, to thank me for being there because it's all so crazy what's going on in the biology department at the university. And this person didn't support it at all, but they don't know what to do because this is coming down from the top. And it's the same to a degree in high schools and elementary schools. It's up to the teachers a lot of the time what they teach. People need to understand this. There isn't a set curriculum. It's not all teachers teaching the same stuff. It's up to the teacher. If you read the curriculum, if you go to your Ministry of Education's website, the curriculum will just give really broad strokes. It'll say you're supposed to teach about inclusion and sex and whatever. Even on the Ministry of BC's education website, when you read the curriculum, it doesn't explicitly say that teachers have to teach gender identity ideology and they don't i've done a deep dive into this but a lot will do it anyway because they're firm believers in this so i think some teachers feel helpless and they go to their professional development days and they're getting a lot of focus at all these pro d days for these teachers on teaching this stuff and I think some of them feel like they have to teach it and they don't really think much about it. And they just think it's about diversity and inclusion and it's about being nice. And they don't give any thought for the consequences. So I think as they learn more about this, some, I know some are changing their practices because I've heard from some teachers in Surrey. I know teachers in Surrey, British Columbia, which is the biggest school district in all of British Columbia. There's more kids in Surrey than any other city in BC. Um, I know teachers all over this district are talking about, um, I guess the campaigning that I'm doing because word spreads amongst teachers and teachers all talk to other teachers. And when teachers get together, all they talk about is teaching. <laughs> I've, I've dealt with this for a long time because I'm married to a teacher. <laughs> so it's what they teach, it's what they talk about all the time. And word is spreading and conversations are happening. But like any cult, it's virtually impossible to get through to the cult adherence. They have walls put up. So I don't really focus my efforts on the trans rights activists, the gender extremists, the woke people who are into this, because it's pretty much a waste of time. I just try to talk to everyday people who don't know what's going on and educate them because it is my theory that they go home and have their own conversations and gradually a grassroots movement forms and more and more conversations get happening 
And it's helpful when people like Joe Biden get elected up here in Canada, because then it hits the news all over the states. And we, we watch a lot of U.S. networks. And there's been a lot more focus on puberty blockers, males competing in women's sports since Biden got elected. So in a way, that's a blessing in disguise on this issue because it gets the conversation going more. And I have noticed it on the streets that more people know about a little bit about what's going on. People have seen the news of my attack and things like that. And that started a lot of conversations. I got attacked in your city of Montreal by some nice yeah. members and got my, got my arm broken a couple months ago. I was going to ask you about uh, that. But yeah, I'm going back in a couple weeks. And uh, anyway, the truth, I believe, because I'm an, eternal, I'm an eternal optimist, I believe truth eventually wins. And I believe sanity eventually wins. But Canada is in a really dark place on this subject. Because Trudeau, as terrible as he's handled the pandemic, and everything, he's still going to get reelected. We just reelected an NDP government here in BC. I've spoken to a number of NDP politicians and other campaigners about these issues, and they don't care at all. I spoke yeah. to 10 of them during the last provincial election campaign at their campaign headquarters in Victoria. They let me run for about 10 minutes. The whole room fell silent. I started speaking with this one candidate named Grace Lore. She got elected for Victoria Beacon Hill, which is the area right around Parliament. And for 10 minutes, I listed off all the different problems that are occurring because of gender ideology. And they, at the end of 10 minutes, I got to the point where we're sending even rapists into women's prisons. And that was too much truth for them. They kicked me out and they said they had to make it a safe space. This is their go-to words, safe space, safe space, oh, safe God. space. And so the next morning, I went back to meet with Rob Fleming, who was our education minister at the time. He's since been shuffled out, but he was there. They locked me out, and they had hung the transgender flag underneath his political poster. So after learning all that truth about all this harm, real-life harm coming to children, they doubled down and hung the transgender flag. So there's absolutely no point trying to talk to these people. We just got to take this to the citizens of this country directly. And that's why I'm hanging out on busy street corners and going to events and talking to whoever wants to talk to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I, okay. I agree with you on the, on the cult side of things. Like I said the same thing about, again, I was focusing more on the race stuff just because that's what it affected me. Like I, yeah. I come back to Canada in 2014 and like, that's when I started speaking out against Islam and you know, like that's I just like, okay, where is this coming from? Like, how the hell am I a white supremacist? And I just wanted to know. And I, I take the same stance you're at. Like, I'm not going after the converts. Like, you know, it takes a lot to deconvert someone. I'm going after the people who might convert or, you know, just the average person. Like, this is not, you know, like Islam's religion of peace. No, it's not. You know, this is anti-racism. Like, no, it isn't. And like with this stuff, it's the same thing. I'm, if I ever speak out about it, it's not, I don't care about the trans activists. And I shouldn't say I don't care about Like, I'm not aiming yeah. for the trans rights activists or the, you know, the gender, like the, the extreme gender activists or whatever I'm going for, you know, friends of mine with kids, you know, yeah. things like that who like, okay, yeah. this is what's coming down the pipe. And, you know, when That's you mentioned we Canada, to do. like we've got, we've got B bill C six, which will probably get passed. Yeah. And, you know, again, like when I spoke to that civil rights lawyer, I was like, this is, this is going to affect a lot of things. Like it's going to affect women's sports because if you have to affirm the gender, the new gender of the child and a little boy who says he's a girl wants to go play on the girls basketball team, you know, the school can't stop them because then you're not no longer affirming the gender. So that has to go through. Um, then now with this new free speech law, that's or anti free speech law that's coming up like bill C 10, like, how are you going to criticize that? Like if I make a video about it, is that going to get, you know, are they going to put the kill switch on it? Like, you know, like they said, like they even talked about having a kill switch. Like it's so, yeah, I, I worry about things like that. I, yeah, I, Trudeau will probably get elected. I, I hope he doesn't, but whatever, we'll see. Oh, he's, he's at 43% in the polls. Second place is the even more radical person, Jagmeet Singh. The Conservative Party is coming in third place right now at like 21% or 22%. So yeah. as things stand now, 
And keep in mind, this is during like a bad news cycle for the Liberals. <laughs> it's been really bad news about how they've been handling the vaccination of this country and lockdowns and everything. Uh, there is no competitor for him. Aaron O'Toole is... No. Uh, I'm not going to pull any punches. He's a complete disgrace as a conservative leader. He's not a conservative leader. And I'm not, I'm not even saying I'm conservative. But if you're going to have a conservative party, at least be a conservative party. Don't yeah. try to become a centrist party because you're not going to ever inspire your base of support. And you're never going to have a strong opposition to the Liberal Party if you just want to be like the light version of the Liberal Party. That's not going to work. Yeah. I just wonder anyway. what some of the, I wonder what some of the polls though, too, like what happened um, in 2016 with Trump where a lot of people didn't actually say, because again, if you look at Canadian media, we're far more left than the United States is. So I just wonder. Yeah, but Trump people... was like six or seven points behind in the polls, not 20, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I get it. And I mean, there's also just... the, there's also the factor of people didn't want to admit that they were voting for Trump and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a pulse on politics in this nation just because on my Twitter account, I have so many liberals following. I have so many conservatives following because all I do is just focus on this one issue and it unites people from all over the political spectrum. And Aaron O'Toole is not inspiring anybody in the conservative party. So unless something drastic happens, I mean, I would bet my last dollar that Trudeau is getting reelected and Trudeau doesn't want to listen to any reason. So we just have to treat this like an emergency because it is an emergency because they're targeting tens of thousands of kids in our country and parents don't know what's going on. And, uh, and if, if we keep just targeting or talking about issues affecting adults, I think we're missing the boat a little bit because yeah. the school systems are producing tens of thousands of new gender converts every year, pumping them out into the workforce, out of universities. They're getting into our HR departments and completely changing corporate Canada overnight because all of our policies change. In a heartbeat, it's a copycat world, and all these corporations change their policies. But it all starts with the school system. We can't be trying to chop off the tail of the snake and expect to kill this snake. You have to go for the head of it, which is in schools. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, I agree with you 100% there, Chris. Like, I, I've called them woke madrasas. And I said, you know, if you look at the madrasas in places like Pakistan, um, obviously, not everyone who goes to a madrasa comes out joining ISIS or Al Qaeda. But even the ones who don't, you know, will cheer on the Charlie Hebdo cartoonist getting killed. We'll think that homosexuals should be killed. Well, you know, like they might not go do it, but they believe in it. So if you have kids coming out, being indoctrinated like that, that's what they think is right. That's what they, you know, so they might, while they might not transition or they might not go through it with themselves, but oh yeah, you know, girls can be boys and boys can be girls and like like you're gonna like you said more of these policies are going to come through like i just see this so I, I equate a lot of this stuff to islam i said like it's these are madrasas you're 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 religiously indoctrinating kids into a new belief system right. and you know i mean just a, a simple thing like um harm you know oh that's going to harm someone if you say that and whatever that's coming to the school system starting in well it went into the academy in 85 and it started going into the colleges of education so the how teachers were being trained and that started slowly go a lot of the anti-bullying stuff in the 90s came from that like you know don't do harm and blah 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 your words can cause harm and that's that's repressive tolerance so even if the kids aren't soaking it up it's there it's in the atmosphere it's in you know it's it's in the air we breathe it's I can't say it enough. It's the atmosphere. You're absolutely right in these schools. Even if they didn't, they're not explicitly getting these lessons, it's, it's still everywhere, especially in high school. It's like, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's extraordinarily high in high school, kids trying out different identities and all that, which, you know, it's a natural thing for children to be exploring that stuff. But what we're seeing today is not natural. It's, I mean, it's the erasure of the existence of biological sex. And, and it's nuts. So, yeah. Okay. I don't want to keep you too, too long because I figure yeah. you have things to do. But if you wouldn't mind, because I know you've you've got a lot on your website about it, but going into some of the harms of 
puberty blockers for kids. Sure. Because like maybe you can scare some parents. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The truth shall scare you, but maybe keep your children free. Um, all right. So puberty blockers, what are they? This is a term for a drug in North America called Lupron, L-U-P-R-O-N. It was given FDA approval to treat advanced stage prostate cancer in men. It was then given approval to treat endometriosis in women, uterine fibroids. It's also been used to treat the worst sex offenders. So pedophiles, they would prescribe this drug to them to chemically castrate them because it destroys their sex drive. So we're giving this drug off-label, meaning it's never been approved for this purpose. There's never been a single clinical trial done. We're giving it to children because what it does is it stops the pituitary gland from releasing the hormones which trigger your sexual development. So girls' breasts won't form. Bones won't gain any density. Girls' hips won't expand like they should. Boys' penises won't grow. They'll be adults with the penis of a 12 year old for the rest of their life. If they decide to have sex reassignment surgery down below, normally what they do is they invert the penis and they use it to make a neo vagina. And I'm sorry if this gets a little gruesome, but it's what's happening. And because there's not enough tissue there because the penis never grew, they'll end up taking a piece of their colon to use that to make this fake vagina. And there's always, of course, complications with these surgeries. It's absolutely mind-boggling what we're doing to kids. Anyway, a lot of these girls are now getting double mastectomies at 14. At Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto, a 16-year-old can walk in there and as a mature minor, get a double mastectomy without parental approval. Here in BC, there was a 13-year-old girl that signed a consent form to go on testosterone. And because in British Columbia, we have a law called the Infant Act, which states that parents have no right to intervene in the medical treatment of their own child, the father was powerless to stop his daughter from going on testosterone and he kept speaking out about it and he ended up going to jail. I read about that he was case. speaking out about the harm coming to his daughter and he was given a gag order by the judge not to speak and he refused to follow that gag order so he was sentenced to six months in prison. But these puberty blockers stop puberty. So these are just the first step. The second step in this process, which children go on to about 99% of the time, according to the studies we have, almost every single child goes on to the next step, which is the opposite sex's hormone. So it's girls taking testosterone forever, and it's boys taking estrogen. Testosterone is extremely harmful. It puts these girls into menopause. A lot of these girls have never even kissed a boy. Uh, some of these girls, if they start puberty blockers early enough, will have never even had a period. It destroys their future sexual function for life. They might have to get a hysterectomy done after five years because it causes vaginal atrophy, uterine atrophy, abdominal pain. It's done as a prophylactic to prevent cancer. Uh, it stunts cognitive development. We do have one study that was done on sheep with puberty blockers, and it stunted their cognitive development. We have other evidence that it lowers IQ in humans, in, impacts their height. But obeys. It's presented as a pause button where a child can just think about what they're going to do. They can think about, do they want to transition or not? This is how it's presented. It's a fully reversible pause button. But in practice, what happens is they stay on these drugs for the duration of their puberty. And tell me, if you go on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, but let's just pretend for a minute it was just puberty blockers, which it never is. You go on those for six years, come off. Where's the magic time machine that takes you back in time to when you were 12 so that you can go through puberty again? Obviously, there is no such thing as a time machine. You don't then start up puberty from scratch at the age of 18 and continue till you're 24. You'll just never have those physical developments. So this is child abuse. On a massive scale, affecting thousands of kids that the media refuse to report on. And that's why I'm so passionate about doing what I'm doing, because I've never done an activist thing in my life. But I couldn't sit back and watch this anymore, because once you learn what's going on, it's hard to stay quiet. But okay, what about 
like detransitioners. Now, in some of the hearings mm-hmm. for Bill C6, I heard, I don't know if it was an MP or an MPP, who said, oh, detransitioners is a right-wing myth. Now, I've, spoke, yeah, I've spoken yeah. to detransitioners. I, I, you know, and I mean, I read a story about one young woman who got a double mastectomy, you know, and she had started taking puberty blockers and hormone therapy. And now she regrets it. And mm-hmm. there's nothing she can do. She has to live in that body now. I mean, she, yeah, right. she, you can go get a breast reconstruction surgery, but I mean, that's, again, that's, you know. The scars uh, run the entire width yeah. of their torso. I, I mean, it's. But, there's numbness, of course. Um, you know, they grow beards and all that. Mm-hmm. Their voice lowers irreparably. So, yes, it's causing irreversible damage. And the MP was Randall Garrison, the NDP member of the Justice Committee. So when a bill in Canada goes through first and second reading, before it goes to third reading, it goes to the Justice Committee, which is 12 MPs that sit on this committee. And they review this bill see if there should be any changes or if they should scrap it or whatever. And so the only NDP member of that justice committee is Randall Garrison. And he said it was a false narrative to start talking about young women who have detransitioned. Like, what does that mean? False, false narrative. This is happening to thousands yeah, I mean, okay. in England, which our Canadian media refused to report on the high court. <clears throat> ruled that children can't consent because a woman, 23 years old, named Kira Bell, went through this. She went on puberty blockers at the age of 16 and testosterone therapy. She got a double mastectomy. She grew a beard, her voice lowered, all that. And then in her 20s, she realized, what did you guys do to me? (laughs) She's probably just, I know she has a, I don't think she says she's a lesbian, but she's in a partnership with a woman. So you know, this is affecting lesbians, it's affecting gay men, they're transing away the gay. This is the ultimate conversion therapy for gay people. It's getting them when they're kids. And every study shows, if you go to my studies page on my website, 80 to 90% of these kids, if they're allowed to go through puberty, this is the most important part. Almost nine out of 10 of these kids, probably even more now, because what we're seeing today isn't real gender dysphoria. Anyway, nine out of 10 of these kids, if they're allowed to go through puberty, their gender dysphoria will just go away. It desists. And the majority of them, like in a study we just had, one of the biggest studies we've had of, that followed boys for decades, 65% of them ended up being gay. 87.8% of them, their dysphoria desisted. So this is absolutely some sadistic form of conversion therapy for the gay community. And they need to learn what's going on because the media and everyone try to lump in LGBTQ2IAS plus as one community, and it's nothing of the sort. There's a gay community. There's a lesbian community. Oh, it's, they it's... don't all mingle together. Bisexuals work their way in and out of there, but that all affects sexuality. This transgender craze, this gender identity nonsense, doesn't really have anything to do with sexuality. The only way it does have anything to do with sexuality is well, it's going to be affecting lesbians and gay people more because stereotypically they will present more feminine or masculine than some of their counterparts. But it's really got nothing to do with their sexuality. And we are now using big pharma as the immediate response to treat these children with anxiety, depression. We are using pharmacological drugs to stop their body which is perfectly healthy from developing. And we are not doing talk therapy. Gender affirming care is a really pretty sounding term for give the kids some drugs and some hormones. And talk therapy is being discouraged. And Bill C6, when it passes, is going to put a chill across the whole professional therapist association, counselors, psychotherapists they will be too afraid to counsel these children because if a crazy activist comes along or a crazy parent comes along and says that they're trying to convert their child's gender identity these people will face up to five years in prison and they'll be defending their practice in court seeing their reputation be 
drawn through the mud, and they're not going to take that risk. So these professional bodies of counselors, they already have regulatory bodies. They already have rules on the books against actual conversion therapy. Talking to a child and getting to the source of their anxiety is not conversion therapy. It's just talking to a child who's confused. But this government and governments all over the world are now pushing bills exactly like this because these bills, don't be mistaken, these bills are written by activists for governments and they all look exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. I, one thing on that, I don't even think there's so much as being written by, I, I don't disagree that activists are involved in this, but like I said, look at the education, you know, the people who are in government went through poli sci and arts degrees and whatever from colleges. And this has been in universities for 20 years, you know, like this is being pumped out of universities for 20, 20 plus years. So I see this more as you got indoctrinated in school and you brought it into your work with you. Um, like I see, like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not discounting the activists, but I think again, I mean, there is some truth to that, but they still called classes women's studies 20 years ago. Yeah. All the yeah. women's studies classes in university are gone and they're now gender studies classes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've gone to universities and I've talked to these kids. It's almost always young women that come out to protest me. Guys aren't buying this ideology nearly as much, not even close, but you know, the brain is a fragile thing and it's easily manipulated, especially when you're young and authority figures are telling you this stuff. And some of the most prestigious universities in the world are teaching this stuff and it's sticking in these kids' heads. And yeah, you're right. They're growing up, they're becoming adults and they're getting in our political sphere, job sphere, corporate sphere, activist sphere, and they're causing mayhem. So uh, people that haven't been indoctrinated by this need to stand up. You can't just sit or sit around and expect this to change. It's never going to change unless you do something about it yourself. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's a good place to end. If you want to let people know where they can get a hold of you, uh, your website, I'll put the links yeah. down in the, in the description. Thank you. Yeah, billboardchris.com. There's a contact page on there. If they want to support my efforts and are of means, I have a donate button on the website. I'm traveling all over the country and I'm not working very much. So um it cost people are supporting me so that's really nice and if if people are means and they're able to support i'd appreciate it but don't worry about it if you can't it's fine but uh yeah reach out to me anytime i try to respond to everyone sometimes it takes me a couple days because sometimes i get really busy and i have a lot of long emails sometimes but uh i will get back to you for sure well great anyways chris thank you very much for coming on it was good talking to you and good luck and you know hopefully we can put a stop to this stuff but we'll see anyways thanks a lot Thanks, Obed. Have a good day. Thank you, everyone, for listening.